On this week's episode of Juke Sports, the fellas are back. And golly, do we have a lot to get into. We dive headfirst into the NBA and the Philadelphia 76ers being the first playoff team eliminated from the bubble. And now they're without a head coach. We get into that and all the other headlines coming out of the NBA world this past weekend. We also touch on some of the events that have transpired in the MLB world. And is Jake a fan of unwritten rules in baseball? You'll have to listen to find out. Touch on some scares that came out of the NFL world this past weekend with some COVID testing. We get into a little bit of golf. And all I'm going to say is 59 and minus 30. You'll have to listen to see what I mean. A little bit of NHL playoff talk, and we introduce a new segment this week called Who Said It? This is where Jake puts his true knowledge to the test on all things sports. I give him three quotes from famous athletes and famous coaches. He has to try to figure out who said it. The list this week is the top five Kobe Bryant moments. In honor of the late, great Kobe, we think there's no better way to give tribute to one of the best to ever do it. Closing statements and a lot more. All right, let's giddy up. Welcome to another episode of Juke Sports, August 24th. And the Sixers are the first team eliminated from the playoffs in the bubble. And now they're without a head coach. A lot going on there, a lot to get into. But before we hand it over to the Sixers fan for his thoughts, I just want to say one thing. I think Brett Brown was made out to be a little bit of a scapegoat here. You're going to be hard-pressed to find another guy who's going to start the process with you, endure those three years, take you to the championship, uh, Eastern Conference Championship the past two seasons. Yes, things no, went awry. No, it was a semis. Semis. Eastern, Eastern Conference semis. Still, things went a little awry this year. I don't know. He seems like a little bit of a scapegoat. It just happened a few hours ago. Players are already coming out, you know, not supporting him. So we'll see what happens there, but I think uh, you got to put some ownership on the front office too as well. Um, okay. So Brett Brown, you have to thank Brett Brown for enduring a lot of the Sixers. He, for being there from the beginning of the process um, to now, but I mean the, the series against Boston two years ago, and then last year against Toronto, and this year the, the wheels just fell off the wagon. And it just seems like guys are playing uninspired basketball, and I don't know if it's Brett Brown's leadership or if it's just them, but I just feel like there, needed to, there needs to be a change with Brett Brown. Now, with that being said, if the Sixers go out and keep Elton Brand – and get a subpar coach like a like a Ty Lue, what's the point of getting rid of Brett Brown? I feel like if Ty Lue comes in here, it's going to be, uh, you know, 
same same old song and dance that we just went through with Brett Brown. Uh, Elton Brand, I think, needs to go. He blew. He basically blew up the team. He made all of these different maneuvers to try and win now. And then when you couldn't get Jimmy Butler back, which apparently was Brett Brown was a driving force force because Jimmy was an outspoken alpha, which he is. And he kind of questioned Brett Brown's decision-making and he questioned Ben Simmons's decision-making and they wanted him out or they weren't going to give him the contract he wanted they would settle for Tobias Harris because he was a guy that was going to do whatever, do whatever was told of him. So you get rid of an alpha like Jimmy Butler. And then what are you missing from the team this year? An alpha that's going to step it up and tell guys, yo, you do this, you do this. That's going to, like Brett Brown said, a guy that's going to, you know, throw chairs, kick garbage cans and get everyone going. They just lack total motivation. And I believe it starts at the top with Brett Brown, but Elton Brand also screwed Brett Brown. Elton Brand did not put Brett Brown in a good position. And I think now, like you said, Brett Brown's a bit of a scapegoat. I do think it was time for him for, to go, but they need some – they need a guy that's going to come in and switch the motivation switch and switch and change that attitude and change that culture in the Sixers organization because I'm sick and tired of getting my ass kicked by Boston. So you think, so, you think that they need to bring in a veteran proven head coach to kind of lead this team and whatever that makeup of the team uh, looks like is in question. Who are you going to get? Well, that's and the it, question. And I don't, and I, who, I have, a, who, who is a veteran right now? What are you going to get? One of the Van Gundys? I don't think that's the, the best move. Uh, I don't think they're coming out of, uh, I don't but um, no, I mean, just the way you're you're kind of describing it made me lead to believe that they might or you would want them to go with someone who's more of a veteran proven guy who's been around the block before. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. it's going to be interesting. I, I'm curious to see what happens with Embiid and Simmons. Um, as many people know, if you don't know, I'm not a huge Ben Simmons fan. I think for the way the NBA is today, if you were keeping one of them, in 99% of the cases, you would want to keep Simmons as the player. But I'm in the camp that I would want Embiid over Simmons. If you're keeping – that's, again, if you're going to keep one of them and going to move on from another and try to get some, you know, uh, draft picks or assets in return for that, that's going to be key for me. And I think it's going to start with a coaching decision. Like you said, Elton Brand did not put Brett Brown in a good situation for, from a roster makeup for how he likes to work. There's been a lot of talks about how the defense has been this year subpar as well. Um, I got one it was name a team that was built for defense. That, that is what – I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. that is what I think infuriates Sixers fans is that this team was made to be a defensive team, and they're giving up 120 points every night. Yeah, you get rid of guys like Redick uh, who lacked on the defensive side but was a perimeter shooter, a premier exactly. shooter in that too. Um, one name that I think is going to be interesting to watch that I think could be a good fit there is that here's my coaching pick for the Sixers right now, Jawan Howard. Um, Jawan Howard spent many years under Eric Spolstra uh, with the Heat. He's head coach of Michigan right now. Um, that's someone I think that could come in there. He's younger. He can motivate these guys. It's also tough, too, with some of these younger players to get 
when you get some of these older veteran coaches in there, you lose that connect with them. So if you get someone who's done it before, been around the block a little bit, has proven, proven himself as an assistant and as a college coach, I think that's someone that could come in there and, you know, provide that spark that they need. It's guys that who are a part of the roster now that saw him play and saw what he was a part of, that's kind of the grit and toughness that I think Philly needs in a, in a coach there. But all in all, uh, to just wrap this up on the Sixers, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Simmons and Embiid. If they keep both of them and how the rest of that roster is made up next year or if they decide to move on from one of them and really hone in on what's on one of those players as the future. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in the camp of keeping Embiid, but it, day by day it gets tougher because you look at the makeup and where, the way basketball has uh, transpired in the past five years – and B needs to lose 30 or 40 pounds and not just be a, a guy in the paint every day. He needs to be able to stretch the floor a little bit more. And that's not what he is right now. So it's going to be I, interesting. No, and, and I agree with you there. But, you know, looking at the playoff series, granted, he wasn't getting a lot of time towards the end of those games. And he was dropping over 30 a night and having over 14 rebounds. I think he only had – he only had one game where he scored 26 so he's dropping 30 points and, you know, having 14, 15 rebounds a night, and they're still getting beat by 20-some. That should be, that should be your, your, your kind of eye-opening moment there. Your best player is doing that and you're still losing the games. What, what is that? Is it just that he doesn't have enough uh, role players around him or is he just doesn't have enough to, to do it? Maybe he, he doesn't need to be – maybe he shouldn't be doing – dropping 30 and 6 and 9. Maybe he needs to be – 20 and 10, and there needs to be other guys uh, stepping up around him. So I think it's two things, and I know we spent a lot of time. This is not a Sixers podcast. Um, the Twitter but, account would disagree, but I don't <laughs> run that. So, um, But it's one of those things. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's one, he was not getting uh, the help. Josh Richardson uh, plays his ass off. I love him. He's very streaky, but at least give Josh Richardson credit where there was a fight in him. And, you know, he spoke out about there's a definitely a different type of culture up in the Sixers organization. I think Jimmy Butler saw that too. And I think that's the reason why Jimmy kind of wanted out. Um, but you're right on this thing where you can have a guard more times than not. This is a guard driven league. Jo- Joel Embiid, I believe, is the best center in basketball right now. And just like with Anthony Davis in New Orleans, Anthony Davis was the best player, probably the best center in the league on New Orleans, and they did nothing. So if, if Embiid is, cannot do it by himself, and I, I know we have seen Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid play magnificent together when they're working, but most, time, most of the time they aren't. So if you get another coach, I want to see another coach try and come in and we'll see if Embiid – and Ben Simmons can actually play together. And if they can't, I think in this situation, you trade away Simmons because he does have value and you get shooters and you get other pieces that are going to fit with Joel Embiid. And Elton Brand can't be the one making those decisions. Isn't it his first year? How many yeah, years? but you like, he signed well, right. Al Horford. You're getting really in your to Al Horford to to Al Horford, who's like 40 years old, but he's actually 33. The Al Horford deal is horrible. 
Yeah, that was horrible. But come on, you're getting really Philly on me right now with saying, <sighs> let's get uh, rid of a guy after one year. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's just send it there. All let's right. move on. Um, the rest of the NBA playoffs, I mean, um, Oklahoma City and Houston, that's a series right now, man. No, no. Is, is Russell Westbrook back yet? I don't believe so. The last time I checked, he was not in. So that's a that's an interesting series. Hey, man, Dallas, man, and Luka, they're making it a series with L.A. So let's talk about Luka for a little bit. Um, he put on a great performance yesterday. Um, he's on a bummed ankle, too, nonetheless. He played lights out. And, I mean, the step back for the win, that was reminiscent of early LeBron with the – with the really, really bad Cavs teams against the Magic uh, years ago. Um, but Luka right now, man, trending trending all the way upward. Um, this is interesting to see what this Mavs team is going to do. Uh, Porzingis is interesting to me. I don't know if he can stay healthy. Uh, he wasn't there yesterday. Um, but Luka did it by himself, really. Um, and, I mean, Hardaway Jr. had a good game, but it was, it was all Luka for nonetheless. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, again, I, I think this series now goes seven. I don't think the Mavs pull it out. I think it's just going to be too much. But, man, am I pulling for the Mavs you, right now? You have – Luke is going to have to do that almost every night. And, yes. I, and I just don't think it's possible. Um, the Mavs are giving us some great basketball to watch. I mean, a lot better than this um, this uh, Utah this Utah-Denver series. What do you mean? I'm I'm enjoying that. The oversitting every time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I uh, they don't play defense. Denver just doesn't play That's defense. That's why the oversitting, and I enjoy. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Orlando, but Milwaukee's gonna win this last game. I, I think L, the Lakers are gonna uh, win out. Uh, Portland got their game, but uh, I, I think the Rockets take care of business against OKC. Um, even without even without Westbrook, and I'm not a big Westbrook guy. I think his shot selection is terrible. I love the way he plays the game. He plays the game really hard. I love it, but I just think he makes dumb decisions, and I, I don't know. I, I don't like some of the things he said. I just don't like him as a guy. But I like the way I do like the way he plays hard. But I think just having Harden run the show, I think Houston wins that. I think LA be, beats the Mavericks in seven. Yeah, I think that's gonna be interesting. I'm by all accounts, the second round of the East is pretty much set up. I mean, you do have Celtics in Toronto. Celtics and Toronto have moved on. Um, Bucks have to win another game. He'd have to win another game. I'm very intrigued by the Celtics-Toronto matchup. Toronto has been great. Toronto has been out of the one and two seeds. They have been better than the Bucks. But the Celtics team is, is hot right now. And Toronto's going to be – Toronto's going to be – It's going to be – well – we're got, we got to see what happens with Kyle Lowry and the status of Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry went down in the game yesterday, and he's having MRIs done on his ankle. So if that is going to be an issue and that's going to be an effect in any way on that, that, that that's Kyle Lowry, man. He's, he's that point guard, that leader of that team, even though there's better players around him, that really keeps Toronto um, even keel when they need to. Heat and Bucks, I've been – I would never, and I don't want to sound like a homer here, but Heat should hopefully take care of business tonight and move on to uh, play the Bucks. But the Bucks defense just looks horrible. And the Heat, they live and die. They remind me of a Villanova college basketball team. They live and die by the three, and they've been shooting lights out. They continue to shoot lights out. That series is going to be 
is going to be very interesting, especially with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and all those guys just making threes. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I think um, I'm still going to take – I'm going to take Toronto. I think I had Toronto in my finals. Um, I'm going to still take Toronto coming out of the East. I think they take care of business against Boston in six. I think they beat Milwaukee in seven. And then I think the LA Lakers are going to win the NBA championship. I think they're going to, I think they're going to be way too much for Toronto to handle. I want to change my, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a little bit of a change here before we move on. Okay. I think, I think Toronto beats the Celtics in seven. But then I think the Heat beat the Bucks in seven. And it's a Toronto Heat uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And that's all I'm going to say for now. If that happens, then I'll make another prediction from there. But really quick, before we switch gears out of the NBA, today, right now, you're starting a team. The Sixers hire you, and they say you could have any player. Well, you could have one of these two players. Who are you taking? Luka Doncic or Giannis? Luka or Giannis, who are you taking to build your team around? Today, the Sixers. You're starting today. You get one. Who are you picking? Luca or the Greek Giannis. freak? Giannis. I'm taking the Greek freak. All right. Interesting. I, I love Luke. I, I love Luke. I love the way he plays. I just think Giannis his You need to see a little bit more from Luca. If Luca can yeah. continue to do Giannis this, shooting is Giannis shooting is getting better. It's it's not I mean it's nowhere near Lucas, obviously. Mm. But I, I just think Giannis is just an overall better basketball player. He's gonna give you more. Um, so you base your you can get shooters. I mean, you're not going to get it. You're very few guys are like Luca, but you can get shooters. Yeah, you you, you can't you can't get a guy like Giannis. I mean, look, maybe LeBron. Well, maybe Luca does maybe a little bit more LeBron. than shoot, but yeah. let's but not, no, I, let's I not discredit young. him. I go young. Okay, that's okay. A, that's a lot of NBA talk. This is not a uh, you know Sixers podcast, and contrary to what Jake wants to make this show. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about baseball. Uh, just a few things to cover. Since the last time uh, you guys have listened to us out there, a lot has happened with baseball. It's been a minute, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But, Jake, how do you feel about unwritten rules? Because I feel like you are one who might like some of them and might not like all of them. Okay, okay. So here's my whole ta- um, San Diego Padres Tatis thing. All right. The first thing, he missed the take sign, all right? So I can understand a coach being a little ticked off, like, hey, you kind of showed me up by the take sign, all right? So he hits the home run. I didn't think he pimped the home run. No. I, I think he hit it and just rounded the bases. I, I, I didn't think he pimped it. Now, if you're the pitcher and you're ticked off, like, like 3-0, man, like, really? Hit the next guy and keep the game moving. But he, really, but that's the thing that I think people, and that's like my issue with. It. I don't think he was, and everything that came out, like he he got taken out of the game right after that, and the next pitcher came in and threw behind Machado. Yeah, make a better pitch, all that stuff. But he was he wasn't even like uh, ticked off about it. He didn't like he was just going on about his business. It was the managers that yeah. made this a bigger deal than it was. Yeah, and like. I, <sighs> Well, who's the Padres manager? I can't think of his name. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say his name wrong, too. But he's, he was first-year guy. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Tingler, he, Tingler, Tingler, Tingler. He, so, he didn't stick up for Tatis, which is kind uh, of t- Yeah, thing. 
and, and that that would that is a first class way to get yourself run out of town is by not backing your clubhouse. And the Padres are the hottest team in baseball. They are the hot that everyone's talking about Slam Diego. Everyone's talking about him. And your guy hits a grand slam. All Tingler had to say, all he had to say was. You know, I gave him a take sign, but and he could have made it a joke, like I gave him a take sign, and I guess shows how much I know, and like laugh it off. But it, it's like he kind of made it personal. Like, yeah, you don't do that. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Phillies, and I've seen them blow seven run leads all the freaking time. It's happened in baseball before. Cause guess what? Say, say he takes that pitch and he pops up, all right, or like he strikes out, grounds out, whatever. He takes that pitch, though. And then they come back. What's in Tatis' mind? I should have been freaking swinging at a ball, at that ball down the middle. So it's professional sports, all right? And, and I understand you shouldn't run up the score, but at seven runs, seven runs, with and, you, and the team you're playing against has two more innings, okay? Two more innings. That's a collapse away. You could – it could get dicey. So I don't buy it. I think it's I think it's dumb. If you're if someone if the Texas Rangers manager was that ticked off about it, hit Machado, keep the line moving. But other than that, I have no problems with anything. And Tingler not backing up his his guys, that's bad mojo. Yeah, I don't I mean that I agree. Like you gotta have your players back for one because that's a whole clubhouse issue. I think those yeah. guys are – I think it's a generational thing, too. It's a, little, it's a gap in age as well, too. Those guys, that team out in San Diego is just having fun. That's what Fernando Tatis does. That's what guys like Tim Anderson do. They just love the game. And I'm sorry for all the boomers out there, but if we want baseball around for the next 20 years, this is how it needs to be. Yeah, there's some things you don't, you don't do, you shouldn't do, yada, yada, yada. But something like this, it was blown out of proportion. One, not because of the players, but two, because of all the old heads and the managers making a bigger deal out of it. So um, I'm over I it. I have this to ask you, Kat. When was the last time we were this excited about a West Coast team? Honestly, Mike Trout is probably the best baseball player. And everyone talks about no one really cares because his team is so-so, but he's the best player in baseball. People are loving the Padres. Listen, I only watch – I usually only watch East Coast baseball or if something's on late at night. And guess what? I am, like, looking forward to going on social media or trying to find Padres highlights because they're killing the ball. They're entertaining as hell. And, yeah. and I feel like you're, you're, you're killing that. Like, Tingler's killing that vibe. Let wow. the boys play. I, I agree. I mean, even as, as good as the Dodgers have been in past years, no one in terms of sports fans at a, as a community, not only for that team, but outside uh, people just as fans of the sport, haven't been this excited about a West Coast team that they could root for, too. One, because Padres are a small market, small market team, too, that, you know, they did get a big-name free agent in Machado, but for most of their life, they've had to deal with those other West coast teams. No one ever really wanted to go to the Padres, you know, and now they're kind of changing that perception where they're going to keep bringing guys in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I hope they continue to do well. I did pick them to 
do well that this was, year. Hey, so. That, was, I, that um, was your sleeper. That was your wild card team, man. Yeah, so I hope they keep it up. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, these unwritten rules in baseball, man, this is why people flock away from the sport. Because there's some things that are good. There's some things that aren't good. When, just to think about, like, an unwritten rule, when the game's over in football and the quarterback's taking a knee, like, line, like defensive linemen that rush and try to rush, I think that's just annoying. That's stupid. Just, like, the game's over. You're, the, well, you're, that's how you get someone hurt. Swinging on a 3-1 pitch – Mm-hmm. You're not what, – what happens? Oh, I had a grand slam. I mean here, – Well, here's the thing, too. If it was a 3-1 pitch and he swung on it and there was no one on the bases, this wouldn't be a conversation. It's just because it was a grand slam and the bases were loaded. And they were, he had a solo yeah. home run on a 3-1 pitch and he had a take sign. No matter what, we wouldn't be talking well, about it. Well, it's a 3-0. Whatever. But it's yeah. still – it wouldn't be a conversation just because it ended up being a grand slam. No, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's – yeah, it's one of those things. I, I don't know if it's driving people away from the game. It's just annoying. It just makes I, people I don't annoyed. think people. I don't think people are like turning games off. Like, oh, the man, blah blah blah. But I, I think it does kind of turn. I think it doesn't turn people off. It just it's annoying. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, just it, annoying. It's yeah, annoying. Like Instead that, of talking the, about the positives, the we're talking about the negatives. The goose gossages and the freaking old timers. Like, get a grip. Yeah, no. it, all it does, instead of talking about the positives of the game and what's going on that's good about it, we're here talking about the negatives and, like, something that even, shouldn't even be a negative. So exactly. That's that. Also, one final note on the MLB, you want to speak of people who are smashing the ball. Jose Abreu this week, and I'm telling what, Cubs may have beat my Indians a few years ago, but there's going to be a passing of the torch, and the White Sox are back in Chicago. Jose Abreu, 7 for 12. This past weekend, six home runs. That's out of his seven hits, he had six home runs in this series and nine RBIs. He completely demolished the Cubs. So talk about people smashing the ball. Jose Abreu is still a freaking stud. So that's that for baseball. Um, NFL, man, three weeks away. Three weeks away before we get kicked off with the Texans and the Chiefs. And we had a little bit of a scare. Over the weekend, there was a lot of positives, right? There was a lot of um, negative um, reports coming out. Well, it kind of started with some reports from the Jets, some reports from the Bears um, that some players have tested positive, but 77 false positives out of a out of a lab in New Jersey. And once again, New Jersey is ruining everything for everyone. So, gotta First deal with driving, that. Now they're now uh, they're NFL COVID tests. So, but that's good. But now everything was straightened out. There were no positive tests. So we are full steam ahead with um, the NFL season. I'm excited. I mean, we're not going to get into college football, but I mean, I'm excited to see uh, how the NFL season shapes out. The only other big news coming out of the NFL this week was um, Earl Thomas was released. And I'm just going to say it, man. He has not been the same person since Derrick Henry stiffed arm the crap out of him. From all the stuff that's going on in the offseason with his, uh, you know, shenanigans to now this, Ugh. I mean, there's reports that he punched a teammate in the face and then there was a little altercation. But, Jake, you could attest to this. I mean, an altercation during training camp or anything like that, I mean, that there has to be – that happens all the time. That if oh, there's it's a, a common occurrence. It's a I, common I don't occurrence. care. I don't care. What level of football? 
it doesn't matter if it's NFL or, you know, single A football, you know, in Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. You're going two two people are going to fight each other or at least get into a scuffle, you know, afterwards, you know, they might say, Hey, you know, we're cool and shake on it, but someone's going to get into a scuffle. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. There's a, there's probably a lot more stuff behind the scenes and in the locker room that's uh, been going on there. Um, So it's going to be interesting. Earl Thomas is still a good player uh, outside of the facts that he might be by some accounts, you know, not a great locker room guy, but I think he's still a great player. It's going to be interesting to see where he um, signs. Any thoughts on that, where he ends up going? I'll tell you this. A lot of people are no, saying – I have no – I don't even have a guess. A lot of no, people are saying Dallas. Um, I'm going to say no to the Cowboys. I think because of what's coming out now with him and because of everyone saying that, you know, he's going to be an issue in the locker room, I have a – I have an inkling that he ends up in San Francisco. Um, if he's not a bad locker room guy, Richard Sherman there could vouch for him with his time in Seattle, Legion of Boom type deal. Um, San Francisco, a team on the cusp of winning Super Bowls, could use a veteran piece in that secondary. I, 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 would, wa- I would watch out for San Francisco and a team like that. John Lynch uh, in that front office there, Kyle Shanahan are all people who could um, really keep him in check if there is issues there. But I think if there's a guy to vouch, I think now more than ever he's going to need a former teammate to kind of vouch for him because of all the stuff that's going on in the media. So I think San Francisco is a team to look out for. Cowboys have needs, but I don't know. He doesn't seem – it doesn't seem like an opportunity there. Texans are another team I'd say probably take a – keep a close eye on there. But it should be, should be interesting. There's still some good free agents out Um. Real quick before we move on, um, right now, you have a – I like asking these questions to you today. I don't know where they're coming from. You have from. a lot of questions. There's a lot of, I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Um, <laughs> there's two big – now that Oral Thomas is out there, there's two big uh, free agent names out there, Jadavion Clowney and Earl Thomas. Who do you think gets picked up first for this season? I want to say Clowney. Even though I, I think Clowney – I believe Clowney's a little overrated. I mean, he's never had double-digit sacks in a season. Like, he's a solid guy. I I don't think he deserves a huge contract or anything like that. Um, um, Clowney literally had the hit against Michigan and peaked. Like, that that is still what we go back to. Listen, he has a decent NFL resume, but it's nothing crazy. I I don't know if he was first-round pick good. Um, But I don't know. I I think – I think Thomas gets picked. Uh, you know what, Thomas, uh, Thomas might have some more baggage, so I'm going to say Clowney gets picked up first. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be a team need, and it's going to be – It's, it's got to be a need. And it's going to be interesting who's going to go down. I mean, there's a lot of reports of – a lot of people already getting, getting hurt with training camp. Um, so yeah. it's going to be – and there's going to be – and it, here's the thing. They're probably both going to get picked up. It's going to be interesting to see if they make it into the season because – there's also going to be a lot – there's also COVID that's a factor this year. There's going to be players that might test positive and they're going to be able to sign one of these guys. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens there with that. But, yeah, both good guys. Earl Thomas, I don't, I think just a little – too much locker room. It's a locker room issue with Thomas and then Clowney. It's more of a 
he wants more money than he's probably deserving of based off of his numbers and production. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. Um, final thing in the headlines this week, before we touch on some hockey and recap some of the playoffs is golf this weekend. Golf was absurd this weekend, my friend. And I don't even know where to begin besides the fact Tiger was playing Tiger played great, but he got overshadowed first off on Friday by Scotty Scheffler shooting a 59. A 59. Jake, that's what you shoot on the front nine. You don't even shoot that on the front nine. You shoot like a 62 on the front nine. A 59 for 18. A 59? I I can shoot better than a 59. On the front nine. On the front nine, yeah. Well, like a 55? I think I've shot shot a 49 before. That was my best. I don't know about that. Maybe at Holland back or something like that. No, it wasn't Not a real real course. I beg to differ on that one. (laughs) Um, but in, insane, 59 for anyone who knows golf or doesn't even know golf. A 59 on a PGA course is unreal. And the best part is the guy comes in fourth. After putting up a 59, he gets overshadowed by Dustin Johnson. DJ's back. You know, Brooks can talk all the smack he wants. DJ for the tournament, minus 30, Jake. Minus 30. He won by 11 strokes. Minus 30. That is the second uh, best, re- uh, best tournament score all time. Um, he, had a two, he had a 254 for his four rounds. That's ridiculous. Minus 30. Absurd. I don't know how that happens. I mean, it's, it's... This was playing great. Um, there was a lot of low scores out there, but the shoot of minus 30, that, that's a number that you don't see. You ne- like you rarely ever see that. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't. I don't think I've ever. Justin seen Thomas it. a few years ago did it, but like to get that low, that's <laughs> you're shooting in the sixties all week, and that that's that's tough to do. That's extremely tough. I'm to just do. trying to do math right now, and I just don't know how it's mathematically possible. He shot a two fifty four for four rounds. So divide that by four, and that's your average. Which we're not gonna do math here. <laughs> But that's but yeah. that's 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 insane. But golf golf is just great. Golf's continuing to be a catalyst for all sports, including while we still have MLB, NBA, and NHL playoffs back, and some majors coming up in the coming months too. So that'll be fun. Uh, but speaking of hockey, let's talk a little bit of hockey. Um, do we just want to spend? Do we just want to spend the whole time on the Flyers and? Carter Hart, or how do you want to do no, it? No, no, no. Although Carter Hart, you know, uh, youngest flyer shutout ever. Um, also had back-to-back shutouts. But, uh, no, hockey right now is is heating up. You got the the Canucks, sorry, Cots, um, taking on Vegas. I think Vegas run through them. I think Vancouver's just – I think they just – wanted to get through that first round. And I think when you do something that I don't think a lot of people expected, they kind of tail off. I think Vegas takes care of business there. Um, Colorado, uh, again, Dallas is good. I just think Colorado is going to overpower them. Um, Boston took an early lead on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning were my Stanley Cup pick. I still think they come back and win that. They're going to be hungry coming in game two. Um, and then lastly, you got Flyers and Islanders, man. Um, 
Islanders are probably the hottest team in hockey. Uh, I know the Flyers, I had them going to the next round, but I don't know. The Islanders are really good. Their goalie uh, is just – it's probably the hottest uh, also, to go along with the team, it's probably the hottest goalie on right now um, next to Carey Price, who was just knocked out by Philadelphia. But um, Stanley Cup's heating up. I still stand by my pick of Vegas and Colorado in the West and Philadelphia and Tampa Bay in the East. Um, it's going to be exciting. Uh, here's what, here's what I'm going to do right now. But, I'm just going to, just because, you know, the blues are out and I'm rooting for whoever comes out of whoever wins the Islanders uh, flyer series, whoever wins that, that's who I want to win the Stanley cup. But here's the thing. Here's what's going to happen. Just because it's the ultimate, you know, way things should shake out for Philly and Philly sports fans. Boston is going to beat the Flyers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics, Boston, this is going to be an East Coast war, man. <laughs> this is going to – and then maybe we'll have another Eagles-Patriots uh, Super Bowl and Patriots will, you know, redeem themselves this year. But I don't, I don't see that happening. But there it is. I'm, I'm locking it down. Boston's going to ruin uh, Philly's hopes, not only in basketball like they've been doing, but this year in hockey as well. I'm t- well, I'll say this. The Islanders lost seven out of their last nine games before the break. And they are so hot right now where I feel like the Flyers were hot. Um when the break before the break, they were hot when the bubble took place in the beginning. Then they went a little stagnant against uh, the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know with the Islanders here. The Islanders are hot. They're hungry. The New York, the Islanders, man, I'm telling you, they can make a run. They can really shake things up. If they can get past Philly, look out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I I, I mean, I'm, I hope Flyers do well as – much as it does pay me to see it. They don't bother me as much as, as the Eagles do. So I'm their okay fans, with it. Their fans are crazy, but like, it, it's not like Eagles games where they're out of control. Come Philly on, Jake. Fans, I don't think Philly fans really care. Uh, same thing with Sixers fans. I think six, the, the Sixers fans hate their own team. Um, Philly's fans are just happy. Don't try to defend them. They're, they they embrace, they embrace it. They are who they are. They're all the same. It doesn't matter if it's Philly, Although, Eagles, Sixers. Although Flyers fans do embrace the whole Broad Street bully thing, oh, even though this team isn't like really like that. They're more a team of pests than a team of enforcers like the old days. But I don't think they're – I mean, are they either? I watched some games and they just seemed like – They're they're pests. They're more they – they have more pests on their team than straight-up enforcers. All their enforcers are more like hired guns. Like yeah. your Niskanens, your – uh, Pitlick, um, those are dudes that are gonna hit you, but there's those are guys that they just got. So, so we'll see what happens there. The, the Cavs did fire their coach, which is kind of was kind of surprising. Was yeah, so and I, I, w- I didn't know if you're gonna bring this up. I was going to. So think about this: you win a Stanley Cup two years ago, and then you get bounced early twice, and then you're fired. I would have liked for them to see another game, but. I mean, I guess when you when you lose the Islanders four one in a series, but again, Islanders are so hot right now. Islanders They're young too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they a younger team, the Islanders, or are they more? Um, 
I think they're a mixed bag. They're I don't want to say bag. either that. Montreal. It's the, it's the Rangers that are really young. Oh, the Rangers are yeah. very, very young. Rangers are very, very young. Montreal Canadiens are pretty young too. Um, a lot of their guys, they have two of their stars are about 20 years old or 21 and 20. Ty Domi's kid looks like someone I'd want to punch in the face. Oh, but. Ty Domi's kid's <laughs> such a scumbag. Uh, so is that Gal. So is Gallagher. Like, listen, yeah, you got hit in the face with a stick. I get it. And it was a bad hit, but had the way he. The way he ducked his head, he went right into the puck. I mean, come on. Or, sorry, not the puck. The way he ducked, he went right into the stick. If he stands up straight and takes it, he takes it in the back like everyone else. But uh, Canadians are really young. Flyers are really young. I mean, besides for Giroux and Voracek and, and Van Riemsdyk, all their guys are in their mid-20s or, or younger. Um, so the Flyers should be – so that, that Eastern Conference, which is always – the Eastern Conference is always better than the West, is only going to get better in years. Yeah, they're they're set up pretty well, especially in the East. Hockey's in a good spot. But all right, well, that's what a lot of headlines this week, which is great. I mean, sports are fully back, so a lot of stuff to talk about. But let's get into a segment this week and a new one. So I'm excited for this one. So we're gonna be switching. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little scared. We're gonna be switching this one for everyone listening between all airs, where we ask you guys to send in some questions that we'll ask live on the air. We're going to be going back and forth each week. Uh, this is a new one. So as many of you know, probably most of you who know Jake and myself, Jake prides himself on, you know, him being a little bit more of the sports historian than myself, knowing a little bit more about the history of sports. And I'm kind of, you know, a little all over the place with my gambling takes, hot takes, et cetera. So we came up with a new kind of idea a new segment called Who Said It? So basically what's going to happen is I'm going to read three quotes a week from anyone in sports, and it's going to be on Jake to have 30 seconds to name the player or coach who said this famous quote. So I, I see him now. I'm going to make sure he puts his hands up so he's not uh, trying to Google anything or cheat, because yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. But um, it's going to be fun. We're going to keep track of Jake's record um, and see how he goes. I, gave, I will say I gave him one pretty easy one this week because I didn't want him to go too quick 0 for 3. But um, I think he goes 1 for 2 this week. The over-under set at 1. So we'll see if he pushes or if he goes over or under with that one. But, Jake, any, any thoughts? Are you ready? Any questions? Ready for me to give you? I'm not gonna get any of these right. I don't. I I said I gave these are these are very. It's spread across different sports. There's it's spread across three different. I should at least get the sport. No, that would give it away. That would give it away. Maybe eventually we'll expand it where you get a lifeline. Maybe like a phone. Stop the Schwab. The Schwab at least got a sport. Like you're not even giving me that. We'll see how it goes. If eventually right. you don't get the first like three weeks and you're 0 for 9, then maybe we'll ease yeah. it up a little bit. All right. I really think this first one, though, you're going to get. It's easy. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Right. Yeah. So put your hands up. Okay. All right. Here's the quote. There may be people that have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. 30 seconds. Who said it? Think your thoughts out loud, man. And let me know if you need me to reread it. 
You're say, at 10 it seconds. say it one more time. There may be people that have more talent than you, but there's okay. no excuse for anyone to work harder than you. This okay. should have been your that, motto. <laughs> that sounds like a basketball person. 10 seconds. I'm going to go with John Wooden. No, incorrect. I'll give you one hit now since you got it wrong. You get one uh, more chance. It's base. It's a baseball player. It's a baseball player. And it's not so. And it's someone from more of our generation. So someone you would you would know. I'll give you. 10 this is seconds. the one I was supposed. This is the one I was supposed to get right. I thought out of the out of the three that I have this week. Yeah, I thought this was the one you're supposed to get right. Is this it Cal Ripken? This kind of describes you a little bit. No, Cal it's Ripken. not Cal Ripken. Good guess. Uh, you ready for the answer for yeah. this one? All right, for everyone listening. There may be people that have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you. Who said it? Derek Jeter. So Jake's 0 for 1. I bet there's people out there that are listening that got this. Some Yankees fans, maybe. I thought you would get that one. I really thought that was an easy one. Uh, All right, this one gets harder. They get, I think they get harder. They get harder. Here. Great. Okay, great. All right. All right. Well, no, the second one I think is the hardest. And then the third one's kind of easy. Again. All right, give me the second one. All right, here we go. There are only two options regarding commitment. You're either in or you're out. There's no such thing as a life in between. And I'll give you this, the last thing. This is, a, this is a coach. So one more time. There are only two options regarding commitment. You're either in or you're out. There's no such thing as a life in between. Who said it? Vince Lombardi. Ooh, really quick off the trigger there. With Vince Lombardi, and you are incorrect. Damn it. Do you want to guess one more try? We'll give you the sport now. Football? You said football coach? No, no, I didn't say any coach. I just said coach. It said a coach. A coach. This is a basketball coach. So I'll read it one more time for everyone listening. Is it, is it Krzyzewski? Nope. You want to get one more guess? Let me read no. one more time. <laughs> if I was going to get a third guess, I'd guess Knight. Nope. It is Pat Riley. Shit. Pat Riley, Pat Riley was going to be my fourth guess. <laughs> well, I mean, luckily you don't get four guesses. All yeah. right, Jake's 0 for 2. This one is uh, – I, I just love this one, and I think it's hilarious and funny. Um, another coach – I don't think you'll get this one. I think this one's harder okay. than all of them. The road to Easy Street goes through the sewer. Who said it? Can I get a sport? Football. The road to easy street. And I'll give you another hint that you're so bad. This was someone a little bit before our time when we were watching football. A little bit before? Yeah. But he's still very the relevant. Road, say it again. Say the road to easy street. What? The road to easy street goes through the sewer. Who said it? Okay, this is going to be – how about Ronnie Lott? No, I'll give you one more guess. Right. One more chance to not go 0 for 3 or 0 for like 9 right now. This is a terrible segment. You're just mad because you can't get any people of them. Have, people, people have turned off the podcast. I think people are listening because they want to know they've who's quoting. The head. And, if there's any quotes, the head and, if there's, and if there's any quotes that you want to have – Jake, try to guess. Just 
DM me on Twitter. Don't do the Juke Sports one. DM me directly because Jake will uh, see it. Or just however you want to get in contact with me. Instant message um, me at AIM. It's got to be a – It's a pretty a, famous coach, and he's still relevant because of something today. How about Bill Cower? How about you're still wrong, and the answer is John Madden. So Jake goes 0 for 3. Realistically, he was like 0 for 12 in the first this is uh, a terrible sound of, in the first segment for who said it. Jake is just really upset right now because he didn't get so were they too hard? Do I have to go easier on yeah, you? Yeah, they were too hard because like I I need you need to give me like a bear, like football coach. Well, it was after you got a run. I was saying coach. Yeah, but you, you got to give me that. You can't just say coach. What did you want, a... like, from me? Like, the real, all the great, easy Muhammad Ali quotes or Michael Jordan quotes? You're supposed to know Let's get this to stuff. the list. Let's get to the list. To know let's get stuff. to the list. Jake's over for let's three. I'm three and oh. And let's, let's move get on to the list. list. Let's get to the list. All right, this week's list. Jacob, tell the folks what we got for him. This week, in honor of the Mamba's birthday, we have the greatest Kobe Bryant moments. So, Cots, let's start us off. Yeah, it's Mamba week. Um, Kobe's birthday was on Sunday. This one for me, I mean, there's so many great Kobe moments. I took a little bit of a different approach that we could debate on uh, while we net out our top three. But I, I looked more, and there's, there's a few that were before, a little bit before my time when I was still a little bit younger. But I took uh, my list, and I think the top ones are still going to be the most relevant. But I took my list on to the ones that I remember the most uh, watching Kobe um, do his thing. The top, my top four, I think, are my favorite. Kobe Bryant's all to, in general, but number five, um, I'm going to start with his 2008 Olympics performance in the gold medal game against Spain. That's not to be confused with the dream team, the redeem team um, mm -hmm. for many people. Um, he went on an absolute tear to help them in the final uh, gold medal game to beat Spain and against Gasol. And the best moment Wolfram. that – yeah, and my favorite moment about all of that was essentially, you know, Gasol, Paul Gasol was on the Lakers. So essentially after Kobe defeated him, they won the gold medal. A few months later, Kobe hung the gold medal in the locker room yeah, yeah, I, I, by Gasol to kind of motivate them for the rest of the season. So that just kind of shows um, his mentality. I mean, he finished with 20 uh, points in the final and 13 in the, in the fourth quarter. So it just shows his uh, finisher mentality. So for me, just also inclusive of every, all inclusive of what was going on with that team and how they needed to win for um, the country and for him to come up clutch in the fourth quarter. Uh, I remember watching that game. So that's one of my favorite mm -hmm. uh, Kobe moments. And I'm going to put that at number five. Yeah. I mean, well, what I really loved about Kobe there, not only, on the court, but off the court too. If anyone remembers in 04, when uh, 
our Olympic team, they won a bronze, which is really, you throw that away if you're the United States American uh, team. But um, they go over and they were hated in Athens. And they had a bunch of guys who really rode people the wrong way. It was like Iverson late in his career. You know, they no one really liked Mello. It, it was very strange. And it wasn't like our top guys either. So in 08, the, the redeem team, they got to redeem redeem themselves basically and Kobe was the leader of that team and they were um like they gravitated around Kobe and not only that Kobe was a great example of what you should be as an American honestly and I don't want to get on my patriotic high horse but the way he spoke about being an American and how he wanted to set a good example overseas it, it was really awesome for him to say things like that. And um, that's just a, not something off the court that I, I kind of really admired about the guy. But, yeah, that that was uh, pretty awesome, him with the Redeem team. Jake, your number five? My five. Okay. Um, game four of the 2000 NBA Finals. Uh, Kobe had 28 points against the Pacers. Shaq has fouled out at this point. Uh, and that win gave him a commanding lead. Uh, I believe the game before that the Pacers won and Jalen Rose actually admitted later on that he went, I think, cut Kobe, like cut him under and basically tripped him up. And Kobe had to miss a game that the Pacers won. But this game, 28 points, Shaq's fouled out, big, big buckets at the end of the game. It solidified himself from not just an all-star, but a superstar. So that's my number five. Good one. Good one. Like I said, I had that as a, a one that I was thinking about putting on my list, but like I said, I just wanted to make this one more fun and just kind of remember some of the times that I remember as Kobe as a player. Um, so for me, my number four is, and I'm hoping this is on your list. I think it should be on your list is going back to 2013 Kobe tears his Achilles against Golden State, hits the two free throws um, late in the game at the line. Uh, Kobe finished with 34 points, left the game. But the kicker, why this is so meaningful, is the Lakers won the game 118 to 116. Kobe doesn't hit those free throws. I mean, you don't know what could have happened. You would think someone, if he wasn't able to shoot, someone would have came in and made those two free throws. Um, But for anyone to – tear their Achilles, especially like not in a, not in like, this wasn't a a playoff game. This wasn't the championship, but to show that heart and that grit and that toughness, I I think that's, that's just what Kobe embodied. That was, that was the Mamba mentality. That's what Kobe was. And he wanted to see out of everyone that he played with and how he got the best out of people. Cause not many people, not even back then, not even back in the nineties, not even today, not many people, would do what he did in that moment and walk up to the to the foul line and sink both of those free throws. So 2003, tears his Achilles, hits those two free throws. They end up winning by two points. That's my number four uh, moment for Kobe. All right, my number four, Kobe versus the Suns, game four. Um, it's probably one of Kobe's most famous shots. Um one clutch shot to send it into overtime and then another buzzer beater to win it. One of his most famous of his career. I mean, I think it's shown all the time 
for buzzer beaters that he's hit. So uh, Kobe versus the Suns, game four. Good pick, good pick. Um, number three for me is the Mamba goes on a 50-point streak. Um, he had four Ooh, consecutive 50-point okay. uh, or more games, and the only player in NBA history to go on a streak uh, like that was Wilt, and we all know basketball is a lot different when Wilt was playing. So you go, you make your way through March 16th. Uh, this is in 2007 against the Blazers. He starts it off at 65 points. Two days later against the Timberwolves, he starts it out, he uh, nets it out with 50 points. Then a few days later against the Grizzlies, 60 points. And then finally, March 23rd, he ends with the Hornets on 50 points. And then, you know, because you know, he just had to, at some point, this had to end. He ends the streak and misses it by seven points with a measly 43 points against the Warriors. But we, we see a lot of uh, high-scoring games uh, in today's games and a lot of 30s and 40-pointers. Um, but to get a streak like this with the level, and I know everyone says they don't play defense in the NBA unless it matters, but it's still – very, very hard, and there's only one other person to do it, and it was Wilt, and like I mentioned a few seconds ago, basketball is a lot different back then. That's why Wilt scored 100 points in the game. So, number three for me, 50 points straight for Kobe. All right. Um, my number three, this, this might shock people, the 81-point game against the Raptors. Wow, that's very low. I, I, I know. Something we may never see again. Um, he was on an absolute tear that game. Um, I mean, there's not much that can be said. I mean, it, it's, uh, there are legit people saying, do you think he can get to a hundred? You think he can get to a hundred? I'm thinking, uh, no, uh, <laughs> but that's the, probably the closest we're ever going to get to Wilt's 100 point game. But why is that so low? I got to ask. I have other things that I think are better. All right, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, all right, number two for me, I would assume this one's – well, I don't know now that the number – that the 81-point game is on your uh, number three on your list. But I have his final game, uh, Kobe's final game, yep. his curtain call, everything that goes into that. Not only that, they dropped 60 on Utah. It was um, kind of a – if people remember, kind of an ugly game for the most part of it. Um, but Kobe nets out with 60 points, kind of in a way to uh, upstages the the Golden State Warriors and what they were doing that year uh, with their 70-some wins. Um, so it's just interesting. But for him to go out on such a high note, which – for many people, not even in basketball, and they know it's their last game, and they know it's going to be their final game, it's very tough to go out on such a high note. Kobe did, and then the speech afterwards, Mamba out. Um, all that together um, is a great moment for Kobe and his um, legacy. So I have that at number two. Mm -hmm. You might get mad at me. So number two, I put – his the the third championship going back to back to back okay i mean again where i said that his first one he went from all-star to superstar i believe this is where he etched his name as one of the all-time greats 
So something that you don't see very often is a team going back to back to back. And we saw that with that Lakers team with Kobe and hell, they really should have won four in a row if we really think about it. But the Detroit Pistons came in and you basically beat them up. Bad boys part two, but yeah, I'm going his third championship number two. Okay. Good pick. Um, I, I, I thought about that one, but just because I think the championship entails a lot more of a team and it's not really a Kobe individual moment, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy all out for this time, but I don't think that one's going to be in our top three. Um, before I give you everyone, well, my we, number, should, we should have, we should have specified. You should have said it's Kobe moment. moment. It was Kobe moments. We clearly specified. It's not team moments. Back to back to back is what is that? The, was it the Kobe Bryant Lakers, the Kobe Los Angeles, Kobe Bryant's? I mean, I'm just saying it was a huge moment. He won his third title. I mean, so I'm huge... sorry when the, the, I don't even, who did they beat? It's a huge moment. It was, but the, it's, Nets. It was the Nets, right? It's a team yeah. moment, though. It's not just an individual. So moment. they beat the Nets when they, the, when they beat the Nets. But are you saying that it's an individual moment over a team moment? I'm a team type of guy. That's so then you're contradicting your whole pick because then it would be a team moment, not a Kobe moment. So thank you. You, valid, you validated it for me. Um, okay, before we get into my number one, I have two honorable mentions. Um, the one, I mean, it's not really a basketball, basketball moment, but one uh, moment um, for Kobe's career that still gets replayed in, in many memes and gifts and everything like that is when the infamous um, non-flinch, non-flinching moment with Matt Barnes, when Matt Barnes was about to inbounds the basketball and he goes to <laughs> fake, he... fake throw it at Kobe's face and Kobe just stands there and doesn't even move and continues to um, stare him down. I thought, I mean, that just shows you the, you know, the, that he doesn't have any fear, that he, he knows that there's nothing that is too big um, for him. So I had that moment as an, as an honorable mention. Um, one other one that is, I don't know how I feel about it, but I think I want to put it on there too, is if you go way back a little bit, He scored 61 at Madison Square Garden. Um, And I think that the reason why this one should be an honorable mention is just because of Madison Square Garden. So I think 61 points anywhere else, you know, doesn't really mean that much. I mean, it's a huge deal. But because of the fact that it was at the Garden, uh, there were so many eyes on him, so many celebrities on him. For him to do do that, drop 61 points at the Garden, and he had a crazy spin move against Willie Chandler, poor Wilson Chandler, um, the cap off the night. So it, it was cool stuff. Um, but then again, I mean, that, I, I, I take that, I put that as an honorable mention because it was just 61 points at the Garden. I mean, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it, but if it was at any other, it was at Staples Center or anywhere else, it wouldn't have been as, you know, yeah. of importance. Um, so, but with all that said, my final I- one – I know I have I have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, I also have the Madison Square Garden game. Okay. Uh, in two thousand nine, um, uh, youngest player to start an All Star game in ninety eight, um, slam dunk champ ninety seven. Uh, again, uh, youngest M- NBA player to score three th- or sorry thirty thousand points. 
they're all great moments, not team moments, Kobe moments, just FYI. Um, so then my number one um, is the 81-point game. I, I think in terms of Kobe Bryant, what we set out to do with this list in terms of his basketball accomplishments, there's nothing – it's hard to say from an individual standpoint what – He's done a lot of great things, but what could be better than the 81 points game? Second all-time, 2006 versus the Raptors. Um, and then he played – here's the thing, too. He played very productive. He was 28 for 46 from the field. You know, he had rebounds. He had assists. He had a good plus-minus um, ratio. He played well all around. 81 points is, is absurd to see that. And um, – the modern game, I know it's it was 2006, whatever, but to see that um, live is just it's just unreal. There's a reason so many people don't have it. There's a reason when you look at the top scoring moments in basketball history, most of them are Wilt, and then it's Kobe, and there's Jordan down there at like 69. So I mean, it just shows how difficult this is. As many times we see some. 50 pointers, uh, 60 points, getting to 70 evens, absurd. Jordan at 69, but then you you look at the list. It's mostly Will, and then there's Kobe at 81. So all in all, I, I don't know how there's anything else um, other than number one for Kobe, but his 81 point game. Um, okay, so again, maybe this is a team thing, but I put his first title without Shaq, his fourth. So people, including myself, um, basically said he couldn't do it without Shaq. I was a big Shaq guy, um, still am, and he did it. Granted, you know, he had help from Paul, but, you know, Gasol isn't Shaq, but he still got it done. So I put his fourth title as his best moment. I mean, nah, nah, it's a okay. great moment. It's a great hang on, moment. Hang on, hang on, hang on. And I agree that it's not It's not like um, your last one with the back-to-back-to-backs, which is more of a team moment. Okay. This, this is something that he needed to – that he does on his own. Exactly. Because a lot of people said that it was going to be – you know, it was only Shaq and Kobe and it was just two teams. And I still think you need at least two superstars. So I think this really is – win. In, in the NBA, but yeah, I, I get this one more than I get um, the back-to-back-to-back. So, I think this is easy. Number one, 81-point game, and then two, his first championship without Shaq, his first title, and then what do you want, what, you, what was your second? So, as great as that is, it's still a team sport, Jacob, so I'll give you that one at three so you get something on the list, but I don't think that's number two. So what's your? I think the fifty-point streak should be number two. How many did he have in a row? Four in a row, and only Wilt was anyone who had more than that in a row, or the sixty-point, uh, or the sixty-point final game. Who else goes out on that high of a championship? He won his first. That's like a bunch well, like, of games. You better not be discrediting Paul Gasol. I know he's no Shaq, but. He still did a lot for that team. Uh, I don't know, man. I, it's number, I think that's number three. That it's first team title, the, his fourth title, the first one out, Shaq, should be second. And then third is the 50 50 50 50 game. Do you think four games of 50 plus points in a row is better than his final game of 60 points against Utah? Because my this is why I'm having 
uh, problem picking one of these two because not many people get to go out on a high note like that. I mean, just in any sport, in so, any sport. I mean, Dan Marino's last game against the Jaguars. He oh, my. Don't, that'll be – that's a good list. Worst last games. But just think about that. So that's why it carries so much. And this ah. are, these are Kobe moments. And as much as I think that that was a good Kobe moment for him to prove that he could do it without Shaq, that still comes back to it being a team – a team game, and he did it with the the fourteen other guys that on moment, the roster. The, when they won, when they won, and I believe they they beat the Celtics. Okay, so he beats the Celtics, your arch nemesis, and you do it without Shaq. Yeah, but he didn't do it by himself. Is the point? There's still, there's still. Uh, I'm just saying. Boston, Boston individual had more, Kobe moments. Boston had more All Stars, right? They did. They had the big. Um, they, had, they had the big three in Allen, right? Let's let. Here's this. What What do you think? Fifty point four games in a row of fifty plus points. Sixty five, fifty, sixty fifty, or his final game of sixty points. What do you think is better? Because neither of them were in your top three, which is a little bit absurd. You went a little more of a team 50, route 50, with this one. I think the fifty fifty fifty. Okay, so eighty one points number one, fifty point streak number two. And then his first championship without Shaq, number three. Yeah, and I believe that should be that. No, that should be two. No, that will be three. You know, you gave me the goal song last week, so you gave me bro. So I'll I'll put third. And I think the people didn't agree with you with that one. Huh? I don't know. I, I try not to go on social media, but I think the people didn't agree with you with that one. I think they were agreeing with me on the goal songs. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, whatever. You I had a couple. I did have one or two Buffalo people say. You need Buffalo, to. My throat should have been on there. You need to practice uh, your quotes. That's what you need to do. Get off I, of Twitter I, and practice your quotes. Okay. All right. So, read it back. All right, here we go. Best. Wait. So wait. Before I do this, because I screwed up last <laughs> week. So we're doing fourth championship, um, and then his fifty-four games in a row. Four 50-point game streak. Four 50-point streak. Okay, here we go. Best <laughs> Kobe moments at number three, his fourth championship, the first without Shaquille O'Neal. Number two, he Kobe Bryant goes four games in a row of scoring more than 50 points, the 50-point streak, number two. And number one, the 81-point game, against the Toronto Raptors. All right. I can't – you know what? I'm interested to post this poll out um, on Wednesday because I want to know what are some pe- – like what are people's favorite Kobe moments. I mean, there's so many. Like there, I said, I tried, to, I, tried to, I tried to keep all the ones that I kind of remember. You had some good ones from the early 2000s, but I, I you know, I wanted to think of ones that really – that I remember that impacted me. I remember where I yeah. was, where I was doing, where I was watching. So there's um, so many. So Okay. Now on to closing statements. All right. Today's closing statement for me, Cots. I'm going to talk about an influence of mine. And I probably really shouldn't be promoting other podcasts, but I have to because this he runs one of the most successful podcasts out there. But Mr. Pat McAfee. Like myself, Pat is a giant wrestling fan of 
the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and Pat McAfee has been a part-time WWE slash NXT personality for some time. Uh, you know, making guest appearances on their shows and, and commentary, you know, things of that nature. And as he's doing this, the, the hockey community, or sorry, the hockey, listen to me, I have uh, flyers on the mind. Um, the wrestling community really doesn't like him. They find him annoying, uh, which isn't surprising considering hardcore fans hate part-time guys and they hate guys on the outside. Now, Pat has excelled in everything that he's done that he's basically set his mind to. But even me, a fan of his, was skeptical as he is going to step into a wrestling ring and actually wrestle on NXT, which is um, the minor leagues of WWE. The week before the match, he was awesome on the microphone, which, to be honest, that's really McAfee's forte. And I was hooked. I was like, man, he's actually he, – he's got a shot here to make this interesting. Could he pull this off? Could he fulfill his dream to put on a wrestling match? I tuned in online for Pat's match against the NXT champion, Adam Cole, and it did not disappoint. Guys, if you have a shot to watch it, watch it. The way he interacted was awesome. A celebrity heel or bad guy, heel means bad guy, is something you almost never see. Usually when celebrities come into the WWE, they're always uh, babe, like uh, they're always good guys and they're made to look, you know, uh, relate to the audience. You know, hell, they even had Don they even had Donald Trump on and, and he was a good guy when they brought him in. Let's not get political. I'm not, I'm not. Um, but anyway, he was a celebrity heel. So he came in and basically said that he was acting like I'm, I'm a football, I'm an NFL football player. I'm better than you. I'm better than, um, I can do this. Uh, I'm a better athlete than these guys. And it was great. And not only with how he reacted with the fans, but how he reacted with the guy he was wrestling with Adam Cole, the way he was interacting with the referee. It was awesome. He looked like he's been doing it for years. And he, his whole shtick was he's going to go in and embarrass an actual wrestler. Now, everyone knows it takes a special kind of human to try and pull off, pull this off. And Pat is a special kind of human, and he did. His athleticism was astounding, shocking everyone. He did a, he did a back flip. He did a front flip on the outside of the ring. Um, like I said, his antics and the way he was basically telling a story in his wrestling match was incredible. Um, you know, for a person who used to watch wrestling a lot as a kid, it was, it was really fun to watch. Um, he was great. He was entertaining as ever. And I imagine Pat will keep being a part-time guy on WWE and NXT. And I honestly, I really truly hope he continues to do this, you know, not wrestling all the time because I think he's going to be a lot better commentator for college football and possibly the NFL. But I really think this is a part-time thing and he can be really be a, um, a staple as a part-timer in that wrestling community. And not only that, I, I took the Twitter before the match and all of all the hardcore fans are bashing him and, and not like booing him or bashing him that he's the, he's the bad guy. We're supposed to boo him, but like actually disliking him. Like they didn't like him on his program, but afterwards, 
I went back to Twitter and you could see all the wrestling community really saying good things about him and how they impress, how he impressed them. And I think it's awesome. He earned the respect of the wrestling community, which is very hard to do, especially how they despised him for over two years. But Pat McAfee, here's a huge shout out to you. Cheers, Cuzzo. Cots to you. I like how you said that's a huge shout out. Like, you know, you're this oh, big, yeah, like you're this like big influencer <laughs> now. Jake's got a couple million followers. You know, he's a big influencer. Pat McAfee's going to be so happy to hear this. <laughs> but no, good stuff. I did see the backflip uh, that he did off the top ropes, which was kind of. Yeah, awesome. it was cool, man. It was cool. He's an athlete. Punters and kickers are athletes. Also, also how about AJ Hawk? So I, I listened AJ to AJ Hawk was there. So yeah, AJ Hawk and Darius Butler. And his boy, Meraldo, who, um, who's his childhood friend. Um, but anyway, it was kind of like – so A.J. Hawk has been talking to him about this. And A.J. Hawk on the show is not a wrestling guy, like, at all. And he's just out there. And I'm thinking, what is going through his mind? Like, A.J. Hawk probably never in a million years ever thought he'd be on WWE programming. You know, same thing probably with Darius Butler. Um or Nick Moraldo for that matter. Uh, but it was, it was it was fun to watch. It was entertaining. Good stuff. Uh, this week for Cots, um, I got to set the stage a little bit and paint a picture for everyone who's listening. So imagine you're in the NBA and you get sent down to the D-League. Imagine you're in Major League Baseball, you get sent down to the minors. For golf, that's pretty much losing your tour card whether it's your PGA tour card or your LPGA tour card for the women. Let me set some more of this picture for you. Imagine losing that LPGA tour card in 2019. Now this year is 2020. It's a year we all want to be over. It's a year we all want to get past and move on. But imagine also, along with losing your PGA tour card, your LPGA tour card, excuse me, you get diagnosed with Lyme disease and it goes undiagnosed for over three years, causing you to lose upwards of 25 pounds, being extremely fatigued and weak. Now this all happened. This all happened to one person. Sophia Popov is the woman I'm speaking of. Sophia lost her LPGA tour card last year she was diagnosed with Lyme disease, uh, something that went undiagnosed for over three years, causing a lot of symptoms that she can never quite figure out. Now, fast forward to 2020, not too long ago. She gets the opportunity, thanks to COVID, and I mean, that's weird to say, but because of COVID, she gets another opportunity to compete in a major. She goes out this weekend and wins the AIG Women's Open in Scotland. Now, there's two parts of this why I wanted this to, to talk to everyone about this this week. The first is, again, no coverage from the major media and sports outlets. If a PGA Tour professional lost their card last year, comes back, gets the exemption to play in a major, and wins a major, that would have been all over SportsCenter. That would have been all over every blog, every account. 
we'd be talking about this. But again, we're going to diminish women's sports here. But not me. I'm, I'm over it. You guys know my stance on women's soccer over men's soccer, et cetera. But think about this. This happens to you. You go out there and win a major. The highest, the highest, the peak of your profession. And you do it while many people counted you out. Many people thought that you didn't have a chance, not only because of your play, but because of your underlying health conditions. So we talked about Kobe a little bit. We talked about his mentality. Now it's time to talk about Sophia's mentality. We all, as we continue to try to get through 2020 and everything that's going on in terms of outside of our sports world, in the real world, just remember, take a little bit of Kobe's mentality, but also start taking a little bit of Sophia's mentality, diving deep down, overcoming, and accomplishing what you always set out to do as a professional. If you guys haven't seen it, check out what she accomplished this weekend. Winning a major, which is huge, which is the peak of golf for all professional men and women golfers. She did it, and it was an unreal story. All right, folks, that's all we got for you guys this week. But we will be back yet again next week with another episode. But until then, adios.